each other mothers and brothers then we blame it on the man say you gotta do it all for the struggles i'm asking the g for a better day to fill the world with peace no pain for days shout out to all the lights still shining cause the weight of the world can pull the wool over your eyes let's Happened to the beat. 
Wait, where was I? Am I gonna generate a big buzz? Cause I rap like a son of a gun And plus cause I do it better than anybody else does I guess that we'll see when the time is right Till then I'll avoid where the rhymes bite Rhyme is tight, mine's like dynamite Skin tone of a drug, leave a sinus white MCs get caught in my line of sight Only one thing's on my mind Fight, might be wrong, might be right Might be likely bite me, alright? Send 
or subject to other police action. Other police action may include actual physical removal, the use of riot control agents and or less lethal munitions, which could cause risk of injury to those. I just wanted to take the time to write this to you myself because I think you get a bum rap.
Dear Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Dear Mr. Policeman, why is everybody tripping? I just don't understand. I know you out here in the streets doing the best that you can. If I could meet you face to face, I would shake your hand. Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on RazRadioLive.com. Follow one man's journey down the never-ending rabbit hole to find out what the truth is. All I'm offering is the truth. Scott Ledger is your distinguished host for Dangerous Conversation. Give Scott a call at 941-421-0401. No matter what side of the fence you are on, he'll talk to you. Everyone from Tucker Carlson. Take some mushrooms and squeegee your third fucking eye. To Waterhead from the LRWS. Sometimes the weak ones need to do drugs and they need to die out. Thomas, what drugs have you done? Give me a list. You have an opinion about drugs, but you've never done any. Dangerous Conversation. Every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. on RazRadioLive.com. The simple power of truth.
This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. on RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com. I am your host, Sean Raz. We've got two hours uh, to just hang out together and maybe talk some crap. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe I'll learn something. Second hour tonight, uh, 7 o'clock, we got Jordan Page joining us. I'm going to play some of his new music and see where the guy's been, what he's been up to. What's new in the world of Jordan Page? We all have that question. I know I do. I'm just wondering, my biggest question really is, is wife pregnant again? Because they just keep popping kids out like crazy. I don't, I don't know. They've got this uh, take over the world by having as many children as you possibly can. Which, I'll talk to Jordan about that also. Because, you know, he promotes it. Good for him. Well, it's been another lovely week. Got another lovely show ahead of you. So many different things going on in the world. Of course, I want to thank Shannon Burke again today for a, a wonderful segment. I love arguing with people that just are so bullheaded that they just won't get the point. But hey, that's what we do. That's why we're here. That's why we do it. It's more fun to argue with people who don't get it than it is to just sit in a corner talking to yourself, right? You got you got to have a little fun with it every once in a while. You got to really, you know, move forward and and try your best. To get everything flowing. Sorry, I'm looking over and I'm, I'm seeing a pause over there. I want to make sure everything's all right. Love new equipment. Still still working bugs out. Take some time sometimes to work the bugs out. See, I still, I'm still a little over-modulated on my mic. I, I, I'll get it all together, Dave. I promise. One of these days, I'll get everything balanced out the way it needs to be. <clears throat> so anyway... One of the things I wanted to discuss at the beginning of the show tonight, one of the things I feel is is rather important, a man I really didn't know much about until recently, uh, but a, a, apparently was a big uh, leader in the beginning of the truth movement. I mean, really just stood out in the beginning. And we're talking like the beginning. I'm trying to find the story here. <clears throat> I know I got it up here somewhere. Excuse me. Yeah, the uh, 9-11 truth, the conspiracy world, uh, lost another. Dave McGow. McGowan, I'm sorry, I apologize. Get that right. Why is... I can't hear. I wonder if it's my headphones, maybe. I can't hear anything. It's not loud in my head like it normally is. I like it loud in my head. I want to hear myself speak. Uh, we lost uh, another 
you know, a very important part of the 9-11 truth movement, of the conspiracy world, Dave McGowan, uh, passed, uh, I believe it was two days ago, of cancer. A very uh, aggressive form of cancer. And I never read this. And this was written on September 12th, 20, or 2001. It's weird now that we've got to say 2010 or 2013 or 2015. In 2001. I have a friend with whom I frequently disagree on matters of politics. He thinks that I am a crazy conspiracy theorist. And I think that he is reactionary fascist. There was one thing that we agreed on, though. A few weeks ago, I told him that our fearless leaders seem to be veering dangerously close to unleashing tactical nuclear weapons upon the world. Although he seriously doubted that that was a fact in the case. He readily agreed that such an action would be reckless and unconscionable. He stated that he couldn't even couldn't envision any scenario under which such a strike would be justified and that we should avoid at all costs crossing that threshold. Opening that door, he believed, could only serve to escalate tensions and make this a much more dangerous world in which we live. He was one of several people who called me yesterday to discuss the alleged terrorist attacks upon America. During the course of that call, he stated flatly that when the perpetrators were identified, they and their backers would be nuked. When I reminded him of our conversation of just a few weeks before, he said that things had changed now. I asked him if he had considered whether that wasn't perhaps precisely the point of the attack. I asked him if he had considered whether that wasn't perhaps precisely the point of the attack. That's what I said. Okay. Unfazed, he reiterated his belief that I am a crazy conspiracy theorist. Excuse my cynicism here, but have we Americans completely lost our ability to think? Are we now so thoroughly braided that we are completely reliant on our media outlets with their endless supply of experts to make sense of events in the world? Are we really that stupid, or, or do our leaders just think that we are? The actions taken on the morning of September 11th were crimes. Horrendous crimes against humanity. To be sure, but in final analysis, not so very different from any other crimes. And the first step in solving any crime is to look at who had a motive and who had the means and opportunity to commit said crimes. As for motives, we are being asked to believe that a band of Islamic terrorists are the most likely suspects. But but is that really the case? Was it a state-sponsored terrorist group that had the most to gain by launching such an assault? Or was it our own political, corporate, and military leaders? While the people of Palestine, Palestine, Palestine territories may well be dancing in the streets today in celebration of the blow struck against the United States, they certainly won't emerge as the winners in this national tragedy. When the bombs begin to fall, begin to rain down upon them, as they certainly will, the loss of life, property, and hope will be far more profound for them than it will be for the people of New York. Their short-term victory 
will be a hallowed one indeed. This is certainly not to suggest that there are no governments, groups, or, or organizations around the world or within these borders that have legitimate grudges against the United States government. The numbers of such entities are legion. 200 years of imperialistic covert and overt military ventures have created a load of enemies of the, Uni of, of the American ship of state and a tremendous amount of residue bitterness. Yet none of these groups stood to gain by launching such an attack. The United States, on the other hand, has much to gain in the aftermath of this chapter of American history. I am not talking here, uh, I am not talking here, of course, about the people of this country, who will pay a steep price for the carnage of September 11th. Big Brother has assured us that we will pr protect, <laughs> Big Brother has assured us that we will be protected from future attacks of this sort, and we, we will welcome with open arms the representative, rep, repre <laughs> repressive, overtly fastic reforms that will, enact, will be enacted. The Patriot Act. Uh, that was me. The people of this country and of the world are always the ones to pick up the tab for acts of gross government malfeasance. The people of some helpless country or countries, that is, identified as the culprit, will pay with their lives and the lives of their children. The people of America and much of the Western world will pay with the wholesale stripping away of their remaining human, civil, and privacy rights. Such a scenario only serves to benefit those who sit at the top of the food chain, our elected leaders, who are elected only in the sense that every couple of years we are given a choice between interchangeable candidates, will revel in the free reign they will be given to ram through legislation so appallingly reactionary that it would have been unthinkable just days ago. Military spending and the militarization of this country will escalate to a fever pitch. Welcome, my friends, to the new and improved police state, the largest, most powerful, and most technical, technologically advanced police state the world has ever seen. With a much-lauded U.S. economy tanking and unemployment figures hitting their highest levels in years, this will come in very handy for the very for, for the powers that be. The ugly truth is that all anti-terrorist measures are designed to are designed to protect not to protect the American people from attack or to protect our freedoms, but to protect the wealth wealth and power. Specifically, unprecedented levels of wealth currently held by corporate America and to restrict those very freedoms that threaten their hold on that wealth. The American tragedy, in other words, plays directly into the hands of the corporate and military elite of this nation, who have for years been propagandizing for a belligerent, imperialistic foreign policy and for more representative legislation here on the home front. Having been presented with a pretext to an act, such measures it is our leaders elected or otherwise, who stand to gain the most from yesterday's bloodshed. As for the question of who had the means and opportunity to commit these crimes, 
The official story holds that they were the work of a well-organized foreign terrorist organization. Officials have acknowledged that the operation was exceptionally well-planned and well-coordinated, a series of attacks that required months of planning and a large network of co-conspirators to pull it off. So well organized was the operation that the government spokesmen and television talking heads, which are really the same thing, have been at a loss to explain some of the day's events. Many questions have been left unanswered and some haven't been asked at all. Some of the answers that have been offered have strained credibility far past the breaking point. One question that has gone unanswered is how a plane was able to penetrate so deeply into the Pentagon's airspace space, even after two other planes had already plowed into the World Trade Center towers. Despite the ridiculous current claims, the airspace surrounding the Pentagon is perhaps the most tightly controlled, military-secured airspace in the world. This would be all the more true in the immediate aftermath of a large-scale terrorist attack in New York City. Claims have been made that even if the approach of the aircraft had sounded an alarm, it would not have been targeted due to the fact that it was a commercial aircraft with many innocent lives on board. Nonsense. Anyone who thinks the U.S. military intelligence personnel would hesitate to target a commercial airline, particularly in light of the fact that two such aircraft had already been used in suicide attacks, is living in a media-induced fantasy world. The question then of how the question then of how these planes plane was able to elude the Pentagon's formidable defense is one that should receive close scrutiny from Americans free and independent press. This is virtually no chance that that will happen. There is virtually no chance that that will happen. Another question that begs for an answer is how teams of presumably armed hijackers were able to breach the security measures of no less than three major airports and successfully hijack four separate flights. Contrary to the claims now being made, security precautions currently in place in the U.S. airports are anything but lax. The fact was being implicated. Implica- the fact was being implicated. Yeah, acknowledged by this morning. I can't, I can't get it. Sorry, guys. As reports began to come in claiming that the hijackers had improvised weapons from razors, razor blades, and other items carried in their shaving kits. The network and cable news broadcasters reporting the story actually did so with a straight face. <clears throat> this scenario would be laughable were this story not such a tragic one. According to the latest official accounts, Three to five terrorists boarded each of the hijacked aircraft. Keep in mind, guys, this is September 12th, 2001, this was written. All of these terrorists, of course, were such religious fanatics that they had agreed to give their lives for the cause they believed in, and none of them presumably presumably, had second thoughts about the decision once the operation was underway. Of course, this was before that we knew that they were doing cocaine and strippers, Nights before this, so they weren't that much of religious fanatics, were they? Does anyone really believe that a few guys wielding toothbrushes, toothbrush handles embedded with razor blades could quickly and effectively gain control of a commercial airline? I would think that such a group would have their hands full trying to hold up a liquor store. How could 
as as has been reported, such a terrorist cell possibly sim- simultaneously overpower the flight crew and crowd all of the flight flight's passengers into the rear of the plane. I don't consider myself to be particularly brave or heroic sort of guy, but I would not hesitate for a second to take a couple of guys wielding toothbrushes, particularly if my life or the life of my family was on the line, and if I knew that I had some 60 people, the average number of passengers on the flight, behind me who would back me up. Maybe that's just me. But somehow I think most Americans would rise to the occasion. Nevertheless, these terrorist teams reportedly succeeded where so many other better-armed terrorists have failed. The majority of hijacking attempts, as officials have acknowledged, end in failure. There hasn't been one to succeed in this country for decades. And yet these teams succeeded on a spectacular scale in four out of four attempts and with only the most primitive of weapons. To what are we to attribute the facts? Don't look to the media for answers. Perhaps the most obvious question raised by the attacks and one that officials have feebly attempted to answer is how the planning for such an operation could have escalated or escaped the attention of the country's intelligence service. Whenever such an event occurs, the intelligence agency rather predictably hang their heads, slump their shoulders, and sleepishly, sheepishly grin as they explain their powerlessness to predict such things. We did the best we could do, they explain, but our resources are limited, our adversaries are formidable, and our sources not infallible. That's a really nice story, but the reality is that the CIA, along with the FBI, the ONI, DIA, NSC, NSA, DEA, and virtually every other three-letter acronym you could think of, constitutes the largest and most insidious intelligence network the world has ever seen. Its agents have fully infiltrated domestic resistance movements that have ever poised even that have ever poised even a remote threat to the goals of those who helm the American ship of state? It is simply inconceivable that such an ambitious attack could have been planned, coordinated, and launched without the knowledge of numerous members of the national security state. This is, this is the inescapable reality that no amount of media and government spin can erase. Through politicians and their media puppets, Though politicians and their media puppets will work overtime to do exactly that. One need only turn their television set off and their brain on to see how preposterous is the claims that these attacks took the intelligence community by by surprise. Perhaps the most disturbing question raised by the attacks is what exactly caused the Twin Towers and WTC to collapse. The impact of planes affected only the upper floors of the tower. Their foundations were unaffected. The UK's, the UK's Guardian, Guardian acknowledged that the initial impact of the aircraft would result in less stress on the building than is normally caused by high winds. The buildings were specifically designed to handle such horizontal movement. The Guardian and its experts, expert consultants, concluded that the collapse of the building was the result of a secondary explosion 
attributed to the delay release of large supplies of jet fuel carried by the aircraft. How, though, could the ignition of jet fuel have occurred as a delayed secondary explosion? Two hours later, hour and a half later. As the endlessly played videotapes of the attacks graphically illustrate the initial impacts resulting in enormous fireballs and the immediate engulfing of a portion of the buildings in flame. It is inconceivable that the aircraft's fuel tanks would not have bursted upon impact, with their contents then immediately ignited. Indeed, if that wasn't in fact the case, then how are we to explain the initial explosion of fireballs that were witnessed by the world? What exactly was it that created the spectacular initial blast if it wasn't the jet fuel? But if, but if that was the case, what was then the creator or what was then that created the secondary explosion that appeared to have occurred? These secondary blasts were acknowledged early in the day by the NBC newsman. The correspondent stated on the air that he had just talked with the fire department's public safety commissioner who verified the large secondary explosions. A radio, broadca a radio broadcaster on WLS in Chicago. Sorry, there was a quote to uh, parentheses there and I can't figure out where. Oh, whose former colleague is a CBS journalist who was on the scene at the towers said on the air that this colleague had witnessed an enormous fireball emitting from beneath one of the towers immediately before it came crashing down. What are we to make of these scattered reports, none of which receive any follow-up coverage amidst the non-stop bizarre media attention? To be sure, the collapse of the towers, captured on tape for all the world to see, had the decided appearance of controlled implosions facilitated by the precise placement of technology, techn technologically advanced explosives. The world has never before witnessed such a complete destruction of a targeted building by an act of war or terrorist, terrorist assault. We have seen the United States target many of buildings for destruction. In the most recent military venture, we saw an embassy building and a television studio, among others taken direct and multiple hits from state-of-the-art bombs and guided missiles. The buildings were devastated, to be sure, but the damage didn't come close to matching the pile of rubble that the tin Twin Towers were reduced to. We also saw a high-rise high Israeli apartment building take a direct hit from an Iraqi Scud missile during the Gulf War. Actually, most of most of us probably didn't see that, except for those who happened to be to be turned on, tuned into CNN for a brief moment, brief few moments when the footage was aired. As it turns out, that Scud missile was actually safely intercepted by a trusty Patriot missile, or so it was claimed. Just as the footage had had never aired. Quotations there. Sorry. The point, though, is that the building was hit and did suffer extensive damage, and undoubtedly at the cost of many lives. But again, the building though sheared nearly in half, was in considerably better shape than WTC Towers. It occurs to me that, it occurs to me then that perhaps America has invested entirely too much time and money 
in pursuing in the pursuit of creating ever more powerful and effective weapon systems. Who would have ever thought that the best weapon with which to reduce an entire tower of rubble was the plane itself? It doesn't even have to be a military plane. An old commercial airliner will do. Someone obviously should have followed up on the early work done in this area by the Japanese during World War II. Almost done here, guys. In the final analysis, we must ask ourselves the following questions. Who had the means to get highly trained commando teams onto four commercial aircrafts, aircraft flying out of three separate airports? Who had the ability to violate the Pentagon's airspace completely unmolested and unchallenged? What weapons were really used to commandeer those aircraft? And who had the means to get them on the plane? Who had the ability to plan and execute such an ambitious, multi-pronged attack without the interference of the U.S. intelligence services? Who had the means to staff each of the four teams with at least one well-trained and suicidal pilot? Who had the means and opportunity to plant secondary explosive charges if, in fact, these were used. Finally, perhaps the most important question to be asked is, who stands to gain the most in the bleak aftermath? It is certainly not the American people or any resistance movement within these borders. It's definitely not the still-to-be-identified targets of the nation's wrath, which will likely include Iraq. That would seem to limit the remaining choices. It is quite possible, indeed quite likely, that the members of some extremist group served as the foot soldiers of these attacks. But it is just as likely that they were used as pawns in the global chess game that serves as our collective reality. It is also likely that these terrorists were motivated by legitimate, legitimately perceived grievances with the U.S. government. Those motives were likely shared by their puppeteers. However, who cynically manipulated those belief systems to serve their own ends? Most of the participants probably didn't know that they were embarking on suicide missions. Quite likely, only the pilots knew that. And they may very well have received a little more training than your average pilot. All of this is, by necessity, just speculation at this point. The true facts of the case will emerge over time in, in bits and pieces, mixed in with healthy doses of dis- disinformation. It matters little, though, in which direction those facts point. The official story has already been written. I don't know. That's uh, Considering that was written on September 12th, 2001... A lot of things to question there. Dave McGowan, you rest in peace, my friend. We'll finish this fight. We'll continue to try to make it happen. (sighs) You know, emotions, for some reason in the beginning of the show, listening to the music as I was getting ready to go live, uh, my emotions started building up. Within the Raz family, um... 
I've never interviewed Jeff, but Jeff Mudgett has been interviewed multiple times by Kevin Harris, uh, the Week in Review. Uh, he works with a lot of other networks out there. And uh, those of us here at Raz Radio would like to send out our heartfelt um, condolences to Jeff. He lost his daughter today. It's a very long story. Um, and it's just a sin. No father should ever outlive his child. And uh, to you, Jeff, we wish you the best. I really do hope that uh, things will work out for the better for you. And I hope that your daughter's not feeling pain now. I mean, I guess that's really the best thing I can say. All right, guys. You're listening to First 52, RazRadioLive.com. I need to take a quick break. I'll be back with you in a couple minutes.
What's your name again? John Rand. Four Toad and Lexi. Do I mention Four Toad? Sure. Four oh, Dave. Dave. <laughs> hey, it's always great to be on the first 52 with Sean Raz, Four Toad and Lexi. You know, I, that sounds like shit. What am I, give me a script here. Come on. I can't do this. You're putting me on, under pressure. Bob, don't worry about it here. And uh, Dr. Bob. <laughs> Dr. Bob, yeah. Dr. Bob Tuscan. It's Bob Tuscan, and you're listening to the first 52 on Raz Radio with my buddies Sean Raz and Lexi Raz and that guy Forto. Hey, this is Steve from the Chocolate, Chocolate Drop. Drop. And, and if, if you, you haven't, haven't heard, heard the show, show lately, here's, here's a little, little bit, bit of what you've been missing. My week is over. Thank God. <laughs> uh, oh, God damn. See how Steve gets down, right? Steve's wicked. <laughs> so you wicked, Steve. I slap you again. Oh, there ain't no cameras in here. I don't know what her problem was. Why she was licking people's cheese. See, black people mess it up for everybody, man. <laughs> you know, somebody black to complain, <laughs> and they call me a racist. The back of the toilet looks like a Jackson Pollock. <laughs> um, I don't like that. You ever seen a vein this big? <laughs> oh my god! Um, I don't like that. She ate a rubber glove. And she had to have her dog. <laughs> insane. It was absolutely insane. Um, I don't like that. Saturdays, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. RazRadioLive.com and Salty Talk Radio. We talk about wheat.
the bonds of this cage. It's time to turn a new page in this new day and age. It's time for us to take the cake and give them the loose change. Time to stop worshiping fame. Time to stop wishing someone other than you knew your name. Time to shut your mouth unless you got something to say. Like trying to explain Saddam Hussein wasn't the same. Hey, Rad, who was driving the planes? It's a derailed train. We gotta try to stop it. Just follow the money and lead straight to somebody's pocket. The bell tolls for those getting rich. That's what they stole. Using our own tax money to promote their own goals. The story makes no sense. It's got too many holes. Now I'm revealing the truth like a government mole. Nah, I ain't a follower. That just ain't my role. Time to unite like 93. Come on, boys, let's roll. Time to get them. Turn off the TV. Time to do you. Me to do me. Time to do right. Time to be free. Remove the blindfold. It's time to see. Time to get them. Turn off the TV. Time to do you. Me to do me. Time to do right. Time to be free. Remove the blindfold. It's time to see. It's time to fight. Time to riot in the streets. Time we overthrew the house and cleaned out both the seats. If they fail to stand out, I'll pop a cast in their knees. It's time to bow to the people and kiss their feet. Their days are end while our age is new. They're out there telling lies while I'm here preaching the truth. Using the studio like my own confession. Booze, my words molest you like an altar boy bent over a pew. See, there really is no religion and no country too. We're all similar animals living in the same zoo. Still all trying to figure out what's what and who's who. Still seeing things only through the ego's point of view. I've been feeling this more than trouble shoes. This here is just a preview, like a movie coming soon. Rejecting light in your life, they say you only live twice. Like once when you're blind, and a second time with sight. Time to do right, time to be free. Remove the blindfold, it's time to see. see, see. Popeye from federaljack.com. You're listening to the first 52 where you can hear the inmates run the insane asylum. All right, guys, welcome back to the first 52. RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com. Now we got through that reminder of, of what we should be watching for. And how things you know, quite possibly could be operating. No, that couldn't be how it is. We'll just go back to just just not doing anything at all. You know, a big thing I talk about a lot, and uh, I go back and forth. My old my old co-host Four Toad. I'm sure he's back there listening. Going, oh, here we go again. We're gonna talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. No. Yeah, of course, it's not going to cooperate with me. You've got to love the internet, how it just does whatever the hell it wants to do. When you're trying to make something funny, you know, trying to trying to make something flow nicely, you're trying to put a, a decent radio show together, the internet just wants to fuck you. Got to love it. <laughs> anyway, uh, something I talk about a lot, something that I find extremely important, and, and a sin that more people don't talk about it, is geoengineering. I mean, really, that's something that is a major problem that's going on. Whether you want to believe it's going on or not, it's going on. It's going on right over your head. It's affecting you. It's affecting your family. It's affecting the people you care about and love. Yeah, I know. I'm crazy. Just some crazy conspiracy theorist that wants to talk about chemtrails. 
Pardon me. But when you have a CNN news article talking about a radical proposal on climate change blocking out the sun as their headline, it's kind of something you got to look into, right? I mean, it's, it's really something you should concern yourself with. When they're telling you that they want to do it, that they have plans to do it, that they've been researching how to do it, you got to guess that they're doing it. They're just not ready to tell you they're doing it yet. And don't forget, you know, we do have some, some climate talks coming up here. This is going to be a quick break or a quick segment because I've got a break on time. i got Jordan Page joining me at, at 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss things like this, I'm sure. I'm sure he's got a lot of different things he'd like to talk about. And trust me, I've, I've touched on one tab out of probably 30 I have pulled up. So I, I, can, I can definitely keep the conversation going. We'll listen to some of his music. It'll be fun. But climate change, geoengineering, is it happening now? The Paris Climate Talks hope to set out how we can reduce the amount of carbon we're pumping into the atmosphere. But emissions cut alone may not be enough. Atmospheric CO2 is the blanket that keeps our planet warm, and any further emissions will mean more global warming. Observations in recent years show that warming is accelerating, that polar ice and glaciers are melting, that sea level is rising. It all looks rather bleak. Could we directly engineer the climate and refreeze the poles? The answer is probably yes, and it could be cheap, and it could be a cheap thing to achieve. Maybe costing only a few billion dollars a year. But doing this, or even just talking about it, is controversial. Some have suggested that there's a good business case to be made. We could carefully engineer the climate for a few decades while we work out how to reduce our dependency on carbon. And by taking our time, we can protect the global economy and avoid financial crisis. I don't believe this argument for a minute. But you can see it's a tempting prospect. Reflecting the sun. Well, I gotta take a sip here because I've been talking a lot and reading a lot, so I kind of got a little dry mouth. Reflecting the sun. One option might be to reflect some of the sun's energy back into space. This is known as, guess, wait for it, solar radiation management, or SRM. And it is the most viable climate engineering technology explorable so far. For instance, we could spray eh, some seawater up out of the ocean to seed clouds and create more whiteness, which we know is good is a good way to reflect the heat of the sun. Others have proposed schemes to put mirrors in space. Mirrors in space. Carefully located at the point between the sun and the earth where gravity forces balance. These mirrors could reflect, say, 2% of the sun's rays harmlessly into space, but the price tag puts them out of reach. 2% is really not much. I mean, let's be honest. Perhaps a more immediate prospect for cooling the planet is to spray tiny particles high up into the stratosphere at around 20-kilometer altitude 
This is twice as high as normal commercial planes fly. To maximize reflectivity, these particles would need to be around uh, 0.5 micrometers across, like the finest of dust. Let me reread that paragraph. Perhaps the more immediate prospect for cooling the planet is to spray tiny particles high up into the stratosphere. Let me, let me just read just a little part of that paragraph. Perspective uh, uh, is to spray tiny particles high up into the stratosphere. All right. I think I proved my point or driven my point home. We know from large volcanic eruptions that particles injected at high altitudes cool the planet. The 1991 eruption of Mount Pintabo in the Philippines is the best recent example. It is estimated that more than 10 million tonos of sulfur dioxide were propelled into the high atmosphere and it quickly formed tiny droplets of sulfuric acid, which reflected sunlight and caused global cooling. For about a year after Pintuna, Tunaba, the Earth cooled by around 0.4 Celsius and the temperature reverted to normal. You following where I'm going here, guys? I mean, I believe they've already begun these programs, whether it's in a test mode and, and the, the chemtrails we see on a, a regular basis in our skies are just them testing. So if that's just them testing, what happens when they go to full operation? Or are they already at full operation? I can hear Fortoad kicking himself in the face and screaming and yelling at the microphone at the at the computer right now. It's happening. I don't care whether you like it or not. I don't care whether you believe it or not. It's happening, and they'll continue to do it. We're starting to get some pilots uh, allegedly coming out and saying that that they're going to stand up against this. Of course, you know. Fortoad has to send me a pilot talking about flat earth because, you know, when, when you can't argue facts and, and, and information, you just have to try to put down what anybody else is putting out. Right, Fortoad? Is that how it works? So keep in mind, I honestly believe this is going on. I, I have very little doubt in my mind that it's going on. And, of course, we have, we have the big climate summit. Uh, it's set to begin very soon in Paris, France. I mean, they had to increase security somehow, so why not, you know, have a terrorist attack? That way you can have security up and running and, and ready to go before you have all the world leaders coming to talk about something so controversial. Well, how do you stop protests? Well, you make security so unbearable that people can't protest, or they're just beat down when they start protesting. And let's not forget, let's not forget that Noah refuses to give uh, a specific senator, I can't remember his name right now, their email communications. What? Why do people have to hide their emails if there's no problems? Clinton didn't want to get her emails out. Noah doesn't want to get their emails out about their climate data. It, it, it's really questionable. I mean, if you ask me for an email in something that you know maybe I shouldn't have been doing and I say, no, you can't have my emails then you're going to go, eh, why can't I see them? Yeah, I mean, that's just common humanity. Somebody's not going to let you see something and you want to see them more. And you're going to expect 
you're going to assume that they're up to no good. And unfortunately, most of the people we're talking about are up to no good. It's really just a sad day. Sad, sad day. Um, as you know, uh, the U.S. decided to strike some oil trucks last week. Uh, I think it was 100 and, uh, what, 116 ISIS fuel trucks. But of course, of course, before the U.S. government bombed these things, which they don't send warnings out to weddings. You know, they don't warn the wedding before they drone strike it to get the one terrorist. You know, they don't warn the, the, the family in the building next to uh, the terrorists that they're going to strike that, that they should get out. But they made sure to drop pamphlets to warn the truck drivers of these trucks that they were about to, to strike and blow those trucks up. Huh. Now listen, I'm not, I don't want to see civilians die. I don't, I don't want to see anybody die. On any side of any of this. At all. But if we're going to fight a war, can we please fight it properly? You don't warn your enemy when you're about to bomb them. You don't give them 45 minutes. A lot can be done in 45 minutes. A lot can be pulled out of those trucks in 45 minutes. Or was it all just a distraction and they just lined up a bunch of empty trucks for us to go hit? I mean, if you believe in conspiracies and you believe things are set up, why would you not question that? Why would you Why would you even think that this was a real strike? What government warns their enemy before they attack them? It just makes absolutely no sense to me. No sense at all. But then again, half of what this government does makes no sense at all to me. There's very, very few things that make no sense, that make any sense that they do. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard this, this uh, past week, I guess, after the uh, the Paris attacks, and I'm not a big fan of Rand Paul. I've, I've stated that many a times. Now, I don't hate the guy. I, I think he's kind of warish. Uh, he's definitely so not they- his father. I think we can all agree on that. But he still stands for liberty where he needs to. And what's the first thing after the Paris attacks? Oh, we need more more surveillance, more security. We need to track these guys, even though we were doing it before and it didn't really work. So what did, what did Rand Paul have to say about that? When they stand up on television and says, the tra- tragedy in Paris means you have to give up your liberty. We need more phone surveillance. Bullshit. <laughs> he said bullshit. That, that's very true. We don't need that. We don't need more surveillance. It's been there. They've been surveilling for a long, long time. So we don't need more. More isn't going to stop it. If 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 we couldn't stop it with what we have, there there is nothing that's going to stop it. But then again, let's go back to the to, to the Dave McGowan article I read. How is it feasibly possible? that the largest intelligence gathering agency agencies is uh, unable to to see 9-11 coming unable to see 7-7 unable to see the Oklahoma City bombing unable to see the 93 bombing of the Twin Towers oh wait, they organized that one that was caught on tape 
that they gave them the bombs that day, right? Right, right? That that was caught on tape. It's proven. Or at least in my world, it's proven. I mean, you know, other people in, in this world might say, oh, just because it's on tape doesn't mean it's proven. Just because they said give them the explosives doesn't mean it's real. That's just a conspiracy theory. You're out of your stinking mind. That never happened that way. All right, guys, as you know, i got to take a break. Jordan Page will be joining us on the other half of this break, or the other side of this break. It's your boy, Sean. You're listening to First 52, RadsRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com. We have been deceived. We have lived in a society of fear. And now that we awaken, we realize we have been afraid of the wrong thing. Therefore, we stand with a new declaration of independence against a government more dangerous to our liberty than the enemy it claims to protect us from. This is all about the movement. You know it's all about the movement. I said it's all about the movement. Now it's all about the movement. This is all about the movement. You know it's all about the movement. I said it's all about the movement. Now it's all about the movement. Cause it's all about the movement You know it's all about the movement I said it's all about the movement Now it's all about the movement In this time of tribulation Do you stay asleep or do you take the red pill And journey to the deep darkness Of the truth to the 33rd degree You see exactly why they want to murder you and me I can hear them right behind me I can feel them coming near I can hear them all around me I can see the plot so clear I can sense the revelation I can tell the end is here It's time to gather up the mass. Can I get a Once you open up your mind, you can't be entertained Unglued from the truth, truth running through your veins Unchained from the matrix, we'll defeat the evil powers Realize what happens when they blasted down those towers Understand the reason, the water tastes sour Will you take the red pill or live life as a coward? It's all about the movement You know it's all about the movement I said it's all about the movement Now it's all about the movement Cause it's all about the movement You know it's all about the movement I said it's all about the movement Now it's all about the movement Now it's all about the movement To awake us from this dream Exposing the world order and its fascist regimes Demonic calculations of the ruler supreme Every day a different song, the exact same theme The scheme has you paying for your own enslavement Illegal income tax, but you're blind and you're paying Millions of the truth, you come out to say it No rules to the game, it's so sad that you play it Now obey and bow down like a dog to his master but the Patriot Act Save you from disaster State sponsored terror Get you chip much faster But the very ideas Attack with ridicule and laughter Then you wake up With your brain diseased Because you let them stick Mercury and vaccines They stick you with a needle Every time you cough or sneeze And every half a mile The same papers Please The government's now Putting a national ID card together And they want checkpoints We will be carrying our papers And they have recommended There be checkpoints Throughout the country isn't that what Nazi Germany did that everybody in America was against? Papers, please. I see a papers. Cause it's all about the movement. You know it's all about the movement. I said it's all about the movement. Now it's all about the movement. Cause it's all about the movement. You know it's all about the movement. I said it's all about the movement. Now it's all about the movement. 1776, our forefathers fought against the same tyranny we face today. 
September 11, 2001, 19 men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world, overpowering the passengers and the military combat trained pilots on four commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine, and live with pink-haired strippers, managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground, hitting the Pentagon in the budget analyst office where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10th. 2001. Luckily, the news anchors knew who did it within minutes. Osama bin Laden. The pundits knew within hours. Osama bin Laden. The administration knew within the day. Terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. And the evidence literally fell into the FBI's lap. That a hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. But for some reason, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation into the greatest attack on American soil in history. That investigation was delayed, underfunded, set up to fail, a conflict of interest, and a cover-up from start to finish. It was based on testimony extracted through torture, the records of which were destroyed. It failed to mention the existence of WTC-7, Able Danger, P-TECH, Sibel Edmonds, OBL and the CIA, and the drills of hijacked aircraft being flown into buildings that were being simulated at the precise same time that those events were actually happening. It was lied to by the Pentagon, the CIA, the Bush administration, and as for Bush and Cheney, well, no one knows what they told it because they testified in secret, off the record, not under oath, and behind closed doors. It didn't bother to look at who funded the attacks because that question is ultimately of little practical significance. Still, the 9-11 Commission did brilliantly answering all of the questions the public had, except most of the victim's family members' questions, and pinned blame on all the people responsible, although no one so much as lost their job, determining the attacks were failure of imagination because... Nobody in our government, at least, and I don't think the prior government that could envision flying airplanes in the buildings. Except the Pentagon, FEMA, NORAD, and the NRO. The DIA destroyed 2.5 terabytes of data on able danger, but that's okay because it probably wasn't important. The SEC destroyed their records on the investigation into the insider trading before the attacks, but that's okay because destroying the records of the largest investigation in SEC history is just part of routine record-keeping. NIST has classified the data that they used for their model of WTC-7's collapse, but that's okay because knowing how they made their model of the collapse would jeopardize public safety. The FBI has argued that all material related to their investigation of 9-11 should be kept secret from the public, but that's okay because the FBI probably has nothing to hide. 
This man never existed, nor is anything he had to say worthy of your attention, and if you say otherwise, you are a paranoid conspiracy theorist and deserve to be shunned by all of humanity. Likewise him, 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 and her, and her, and her, and him. Osama bin Laden lived in a cave fortress in the hills of Afghanistan, but somehow got away. Then he was hiding out in Tora Bora, but somehow got away. Then he lived in Abbottabad for years, taunting the most comprehensive intelligence dragnet employing the most sophisticated technology in the history of the world for a decade, releasing video after video with complete impunity and getting younger and younger as he did so, before finally being found in a daring SEAL team raid which wasn't recorded on video, in which he didn't resist or use his wife as a human shield, and in which these crack special forces operatives panicked and killed this unarmed man, supposedly the best source of intelligence about those dastardly terrorists on the entire planet. Then they dumped his body in the ocean before telling anyone about it. Then a couple dozen of that team's members died in a helicopter crash in Afghanistan. This is the story of 9-11, brought to you by the media which told you the hard truths about His head could be seen to move violently forward. And They took the babies out of incubators. And Mobile production facilities. And The rescue of Jessica Lynch. If you have any questions about this story, you are a batshit, paranoid, tinfoil, dog-abusing baby hater and will be reviled by everyone. If you love your country and or freedom, happiness, rainbows, rock and roll, puppy dogs, apple pie, and your grandma, you will never ever express doubts about any part of this story to anyone. Ever. This has been a public service announcement by the friends of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DIA, SEC, MSM, White House, NIST, and the 9-11 Commission. Because ignorance is strength.
page. You're listening to the first 52 on Razz Radio. I was too busy chatting with Jordan on the Skype here. I forgot that I had to run a radio show, and I almost missed a rejoin there. <laughs> Welcome back to the first 52, RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com. <sighs> You gotta take a break every once in a while, and you gotta you gotta keep your brain with you while you take that break. I really like these guys. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Paper Tongues, but they got some good music out there. First shift to two, RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com. Where are you gonna get any better information than you're gonna get here? That's my question. Where are you gonna get it from? We're going to spend a lot of this next hour talking about music and how music relates uh, to what we do here. You know, a lot of what I do, a lot of the other conspiracy guys out there, it's hard to find music that really touches what we're trying to express, that really goes through with the, the, the visions and the, and the thoughts we have. There are artists out there doing it. It, there's few and far between, but there are good artists out there doing it. A lot of you guys out there listening to me have listened to Scott Ledger. I've listened to other shows. Uh, I'm sure you, you've heard of Jordan Page before. Uh, Jordan Page is, is what led me to helping Scott. I mean, you know, that's, that's what began the satellite producer position on Dangerous Conversation on Radio IO. That, that one interview started the whole thing. My whole working with that man, which has led to him being on after me on my station here on Raz Radio Live. You get Scott Ledger following. But right now you have me, so you're going to deal with me for right now. We're going to have some fun. We're going we're to talk some more topics. We're going to hear some more really great music, maybe some music you haven't heard yet. I do have Jordan Page sitting on the background there. We're going to go to him in a moment. I just want to make sure that everybody understands that what we do, what we talk about, you know, this is not something that just came to me one day. As I've explained many a times before, I was a, a, a right wing, wanted to nuke every Arab I saw, Believed everything the government told me. That was me for a long time. And although it might be a little more stressful personally doing these things that I do now, talking about the things I talk about, I am so much happier with my life doing it. Because if I, if I was to find out that I just had kept my eyes closed and never investigated any of this, never looked into it, and then it all became true, I would hate myself for not researching further. And I'm sure the, my, my, my buddy on the line here, Jordan, would probably say the same thing. Jordan, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, buddy. How are you? Not too bad at all. It's nice to hear you on Skype tonight. Well, it's nice to hear that... Uh... What that little story you just told, 
about the that interview that we did way back when. Yeah, I, I bet you never knew that. You were the first. I didn't know that. Yeah, you were the first guest I ever booked for Scott Ledger, and I just did it as a listener to his show. I wanted. He had asked one day, "Where's the, where's the protest music?" And I was listening to his show, and I and I'd heard, I was listening to you and and uh, Rebel Inc. and uh, Heist Click and Chris Gio. All you guys were on, on and uh, Amp Killer. All you guys were on Polygraph Radio. And I had found Polygraph Radio because I wanted music that I enjoyed. And and when he had made that call out, where is the protest music? That's what made me go, hey, listen, let me book a guest for you. Let me find this guy. I'll get him for you. And uh, that's when I booked you on his show. And, right, and, right. and from that interview led to Rebel Inc. Uh, coming to Dangerous Conversation, led to right. led to me continuing to book more and more guests uh, for Scott. And and that's what, and uh, in the end, led to my radio station. You know, it all ends here. <laughs> you see, I'm bringing people together, Sean. <laughs> well, that's what music does, brother. That that that's the whole point of music. Well, I was on I was on Ledge's show last week, and uh, and, and he brought that point up about Rebel Inc. that he had never heard of them before. I uh, before that interview that you're speaking of, and uh, I and now they're you know they're all really tight, and it, that makes me feel good. Uh, to have made those connections. I mean, Polygraph Radio is really what started all that craziness to begin with because I, you know, I, I was really only in the, in the movement for about a year and a half before um, before I met those guys. And uh, it was it was Chris uh, Cowan and, and Mike Narr had started Polygraph Radio, and they were they were one of the only stations or shows playing truth music, and it was really refreshing. Uh, to see that there was an outlet, and so they started doing all these shows in Philly and New York, and 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 all the artists for, that were they were playing all came together. There was literally no one at the shows except for the artists. <laughs> like there was no audience at all. Like we were playing for each other, and and it was pretty amazing. Uh, you know, the, and, and those friendships that I, we forged then are still there now. I mean, Payday Monsanto and Frank Castle from Heist Click, Dave Cahill, Rebel Inc. These guys are all just, you know still very close friends of mine. Amp Killer, you know these guys are all still friends of mine, and and I'm I, I couldn't be more grateful for that. And uh, you know everywhere I go, I'm like singing their praises. So it's just nice to it's nice to know that some of the seeds that you plant yeah, bear some fruit. Yeah, well, you know Jordan, we wouldn't be talking if it wasn't for Polygraph. I wouldn't be close friends with Frank Castle myself if it wasn't for Polygraph. I, I would ninety five percent of the music I play on my show was found through polygraph right right i mean that, that's what because what had happened with me i found polygraph in like 09 i or, or uh, i'm sorry 2010 is i think when i found polygraph i didn't wake up till 09 you know i listened to alex jones religiously and when he went off i didn't want to listen to anything else so that's right. what led me to find polygraph which of course led me into deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole because uh, the music's incredible, which led me to find other musicians that were never involved with Polygraph. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know MK Ultra. He does some great stuff. He hasn't done anything new sure. recently, but you know, all these people that I found all was just from that whole beginning. Right, right. It, it's amazing how it works out that way. And and you know, you and I have been communicating for three and a half, four years now because of that. Uh, like I said, Frank Castle stayed in my house. You know, yeah. because of meeting through polygraph so it, yeah, it, it's totally. amazing thing what music can do uh, you know a, a couple months ago we moved from indian indianapolis out to uh to northwest montana and 
the something told us that we had to use this one particular moving company to get us out of here, right? So the, the the truck shows up, and it was like it was like a bad out of hell kind of move. Like it was like within thirty days we moved, and we made the decision to move, and we just did it. So the, the moving truck shows up, and this guy jumps out of the truck with with like the biggest dreadlocks I've ever seen, like down to his kneecaps, right? This uh, you know he introduces himself. His name's Roy. And so we get to talking, and I start testing the waters with this guy and kind of like seeing where he's at politically, spiritually, whatnot. Turns out he's a 9-11 truther and all of this stuff. And, I, and, and so he says, well, do you know, he asked me, well, do you know a guy named Blooded the Brave? And I'm like, yeah, I know Blooded. I said we were on, I, I, because only a couple of, only maybe a week or two before the movie truck showed up, I'm downstairs in the basement you know, looking through old boxes, and I find the Polygraph Radio, uh, you know, Revolution Mix Volume One, which was the only one they ever put out. <laughs> and my, you know, Rebel Inks on there, Blooded's on there, Payday, Heist Click, and and you know, we're all on there. And uh, and I'm like, and, I, and he's like, you know, Blooded the Brave, he's one of my best friends. And I was like, yeah, I'm on this compilation CD with him. I pull it out, and he's like, mind is just completely blown. And he calls Blooded, and he's like, I'm at Jordan Page's house. I'm moving him. No way. <laughs> Polygraph Radio, man, they they just they did something special. It's pretty. That's pretty neat. I remember the day that went down. Um, the, they it shut off, and I I just I I like went into a, a spasm because Alex went off, and usually after Alex went off, I would switch over to Polygraph and do my work. And I switched over, and there was nothing there. And I'm like, "What? What? what where's Where's Polygraph? What happened to Polygraph?" You know, like I went into I this know. like spasm that day. <laughs> and oh, I, I know, man. That's when I went and started downloading everybody's music, and you know, ripping it for as I could off of YouTube, and just trying to gather it all, so I had something to listen to. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. Listen, Jordan. One of my first questions for you, and I hope you don't get offended by this question, but I, I don't think you will. Uh, is your wife pregnant? Because I know you guys are trying to repopulate the planet. We are repopulating. No, she she, we, she gave birth uh, about uh, what was what, what what's the date right now? Twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. She gave birth about about three weeks ago uh, on 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 the second, and we had our sixth uh, little oh baby. God. I didn't know she was uh, pregnant our, again. Jesus, I didn't know she yeah, just had yeah. one. I thought yeah, it was a year did. ago. No, we just said, well, we had one a year ago, too. <laughs> All right, so you're about time to reseed then, right? I mean, it's, it's replanting time. No, we're all done. Six, six is our limit. That's our number, and uh, we're we're happy with six. We got four boys and two girls, and they're all beautiful little anarchists, and we just love them. Uh, and they're, I, they're, I love watching your posts because you'll put up, you know, uh, a Jordan Child saying of the day every once in yeah, a while. Yeah, page, page kid quote of the day is my favorite part of the day. <laughs> yeah, what, what was the most recent one? Do you oh, remember? Man. Um, I think I think I don't know. I think John was. Mad at me because I told him that the reason that um, that that children are called kid that, he, that we call him a kid is because his mom his real mom and dad were goats, right? And so he looks at me with this look, and he like stomps his feet. He's like he's seven, you know. He says, "Dad, sometimes you make me so mad that I that I just want to blow smoke out of my ears." <laughs> 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 All right, buddy. <laughs> you gotta love him. I, I don't know if uh, I, yeah, my youngest is six is seven. Uh, my oldest is 20, he'll be 21 in March. Uh, and then of course I have a grandchild with him. Uh, so that's been like a really a big experience for me this year. My grandchild is eight months old now. Uh, and it actually, you know, being a father for so long, uh, you forget what it means even having a seven year old. But when that grandchild comes, man, it changes everything in your mind. 
Oh, I bet. Oh, it's it's just you don't even know how you think. Like I didn't think it would affect me, and and it took about two or three months before it really started affecting me. And then I met her after that because they live up in Jersey. I'm down here in Florida, and uh, I met her after that. And when I came home from meeting her, it it was like a different thing inside of me. It, it, it totally changed my perspective on a lot of different things. Oh, I'm sure it did, man. Yeah, children can do that to you. They, my kids have completely rewritten all of my definitions about life, about love, about truth, about what's important, what's not important, and uh, and they're you know they're the reason that I do what I do and put myself out there, and and they're the reason that I keep you know hitting the pavement to to not just to save the save the world, but to you know live the dream. Uh, and yeah, when we when Mary got pregnant with Johnny uh, years ago. He, everyone was like, well, I guess your music career is over then, right? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> it's, it's just, just beginning. beginning. <laughs> now, now I really got to make it work because now I got this little person who's dependent on me, you know? And now you got six and, or four, and, five more. Five more, and, and they're all just amazing. We have an amazing family, and we homeschool the kids. We keep them away from the state, and uh, we're, we're, just, we're just feeding them truth and exploring their interests and, and building them up and, and you know, teaching them good life skills and, and, and good morals and values and just unleash them on the world. One of my favorite authors is um, Khalil Gibran. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He wrote this famous book called The Prophet. No, I never and, heard it. Oh, man, th- th- this is this is your next order of business is to get this book. You'll read it in an hour and a half. It, it, it's uh, Last name is G-I-B-R-A-N, Khalil Gibran, The Prophet. It's a really famous book. And he says in this book that, that um, parents are... Uh, that we are the bow that our children as living arrows are sent forth and basically that God is the archer and he bends the bow in his hands to release the arrow which is the child into the world and he sets his mark upon the path of the infinite and it's just it's a really amazing analogy there's all kinds of good stuff in that book but Hmm. I always look at Mary and I as you know we, we are we are bringing these children into the world for some grand purpose that's beyond us and uh, you know our our job is to is to be a good bow. You know, so I was going to say. So you guys are kind of the bow. You know, one's the 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 staff and one's the the string, and you guys are the bow that interjects that child into this world. Is that the, kind of what the the preface that's is? Basi- yeah, that's basically the analogy that that he he gives in the book. And and I you know we kind of we, we look at it like that. And you know we we're giving them a good spiritual foundation, and and we're giving them a lot of love and and a lot of attention and. And we talk to them like they're adults, and we we you know we don't lie to them about things. We we don't give them too much brutal, horrifying truth either. We just kind of we we give it to them as they can take it, and and they're uh, they're turning out to be really amazing people. Do do they get you know Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and all that stuff, or or do you kind of keep that out? It's interesting because I've told them at least fifty times that there's no Santa Claus, and they don't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> But if you tell them that 9-11 was an inside job, they believe you every moment, don't they? Well, sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, like there, there'll be times where, you know, Andrew will say, Dad, you're Santa Claus, aren't you? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I am. But, you know, if they if they want to hold on to a little bit of fantasy, I mean, I'm not I'm not sitting there saying, oh, he's coming down the chimney. You better go to bed. It's not like that. All right. I'm the same you know, way, I yeah. Mean, yeah, I mean, Easter Bunny is the same thing. I mean, we, we celebrate Easter and we do the fun stuff and we do Easter egg hunts and all that. But you know, as they get a little bit older, they're going to know exactly where all all that 
all, all like what what part of these holidays are pagan and what part of them are from the Catholic Church, you know, mm-hmm. and and they're and they're gonna they're, they're, they're gonna get a thorough education and, and be able to make their own choices, make up their minds. Well, I have no interest in indoctrinating my children. I want to just give them the facts and let them deduce because I find Sean that they are naturally libertarian. They are naturally voluntarist. Aren't we all? I, I think we are. I think I think children are naturally rational, and they have to be taught to be irrational. And, and so, you know, we just present the facts to them. We answer their questions. We don't, we don't, we don't take cop out answers like the, because the Bible says so, or because I say so, or because that's just the way that it is. I mean, those were the answers that I got as a kid, and I always resented that. Right. I felt like my answers weren't, my, my questions weren't being answered. And I want my children to to, to have a, a thorough, all encompassing understanding of the world and all its complexity. And 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 I think they'll lead richer, fuller lives, and I think they'll add more to the struggle to maintain and and protect liberty and freedom if they don't have like these you know f- false you know illusions in their in their minds. Yeah, see, so. we don't promote it here either. I mean, we don't we don't turn it down. But our son is pretty, you know, as far as my wife and I, which is the one son I have that that is the youngest. Uh, we yeah. don't we don't really. We don't turn it away, but he knows better. I think he's just a smart kid, and, and it, sure. I don't think he's confused by it. I think he knows that it's us. He knows it's all a game. We kind of leave it for the grandma to have fun with and and enjoy, you know, that part of it because she always did. I mean, I personally am an ag- agnostic. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that or not, Jordan, but I don't. I, I believe there's something there. I just don't know what it is, and I'm not sure. going to direct. Um, my daily life to worshiping something I don't know is there. I'm just going to be the best person I can as far as being a human being. And that's how I live my life. <clears throat> no, I feel you. I think that's a respectable place to be. Uh, I've, I've been there myself several times in my in my life. And, you know, for, for, for my part, Sean, I, I've been given, you know, more than adequate empirical evidence and proof from the source itself. To, to to have a, a, a pretty strong personal connection with it. And, you know, I, I didn't go to, I don't think I've been to church for about three years till we moved up here to Montana because I never found a church that I could go to that didn't make me want to punch myself in the face. <laughs> um, and, but we, fi- we finally found one that I really feel like, this, like the Holy Spirit lives in this place with these people. And, uh, and it's just, you know, there's no judgment there. There's just nothing but love and, and, and openness and, and you know the asking of questions and 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 it's it's just a it's just a really great place and I feel like we you know we're finally home. And I don't um, knock, so- I don't knock people who who find that connection and enjoy that connection. Unfortunately, me and my wife kind of don't like being around people. We'd rather just be with ourselves or with our family and and the people that sure. are really close to us. And that's where and I don't I'm not trying to to draw into a religious debate here because I, I want you to do what makes you happy. I want to do what, I, what makes me happy. I want Joe across the street to do the same thing. As long as they're not hurting anybody, that's all I care about. You know what I mean? Well, all I care about is, is that people are free to express themselves however they, they want to or need to so long as they're not infringing on someone else's rights or property. Um, you know, so, so when it comes to religion, you know, if, if, a, if a religion espouses, uh, you know, Voluntarism and, and espouses peace and love. Well, I can get behind that, no matter what it is. As soon as they start trying to impose their will on me with force and with violence, 
then they become my enemy. And and so, I, I mean, whatever people believe is what they believe. I mean, there's 7 billion people in the world, and there's 7 billion ways to see the same thing. Right? Exactly. So, so, so I'm not interested in, 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 in evangelizing or converting anybody to, to the way that I do things. This is the way I do things, and if it makes sense to someone else, they can do it the way I do it. Awesome. And if, and if not, good for them. Uh, I, I'm not interested in people agreeing with me. All I'm interested in is that people are free to disagree peacefully. And that's the way it should be. And that, 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 that's what everything we talk about encompasses. And the biggest issue, and I think you can agree on this, at least I'd like to believe you can, is throughout history, religion has been one of the uh, driving forces behind the evil and, and the destruction we see. So that's... I would, go ahead. Well, I would, I would say that, that the religion has been a, a useful vehicle for humans who who desire power and desire to dominate others it's been a useful tool for them to manipulate uh, you know to manipulate and, and to pursue their conquests uh for domination of, of other people and it's it's very easy to assume power uh over a group of people and then start attributing the legitimacy of your power to god and and, and projecting yourself and your own uh, hatred and your own prejudice and stare, you know, and all, all you know, all your big or bigotry or whatever you have onto God and say that this is God's will that I'm doing this to you, right? You know, and, and using God to justify the horrible things that that, that people do. And we see it's that. all it, it, it has nothing to do with God whatsoever. God is not involved in those decisions. You know, God just is, in my opinion. I'm a pantheist. I'm a, I'm a Christian pantheist. What's pantheist? Explain to me pantheist because I don't think I've ever heard that term before. So. Pantheism basically means that you believe that everything in the universe, that all of creation itself, is, liter is literally, not figuratively, but literally God manifesting itself. That God is not some person who's in whose image human beings are. Like, like, in other words, God is not some bilaterally symmetrical being, that just like, like a human is, where you have two arms, two legs, two eyes. It's, that's not what God is. Right, it's God, not one entity, it's not one soul. No, God. God is an all-encompassing uh, reality. He. He is. It is. I should say. It is the source of all energy, and and from from this energy, the universe uh, exists. And, and and that you and I are are simply expressions of that that of of God's imagination. And and that the genius of it is that two two thoughts in God's head are having a conversation about whether it exists. You know. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yeah. So, so, so I look at God as, literally as the creator of all things. You know, whether human beings were engineered by aliens or whether there was some garden and there was Adam and Eve. You know, I, none of, like it, it's all. It's all. I mean, it's. I guess it is. It does matter, but to, in, in the larger scope of things, it's irrelevant because everything comes from the same source of of material energy, and and all consciousness comes from the same source of conscious energy. And and so you know we're we are all children of two worlds, and and that we are all these we are all infinite beings, and that we are these 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 infinite souls, these single drops of water from the infinite ocean of eternal consciousness that is God. Uh, uh, but at the same time, like we are we are infinite beings having a finite experience, which is which is being in these bodies and 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 being subject to all the forces that the body is subject to. We confuse ourselves. With our bodies, we think that we are these bodies, but we are, you know, as Yoda says, we are we are luminous beings, not this crude matter. 
You know what I mean? And, right. and so, you know, when, when you're driving the car and the car breaks down, you get out and walk. And the same thing goes for the body. The, body. the, the soul gets up and walks. The, the, the soul continues on, and, and, and it is it is eternal. You and I were there at the beginning because we are all part of God, and and so we have ancient information stored inside our consciousness. That and there's various ways of unlocking that and getting that out and having these deeper understandings. So that's one of you my know, problems I, with with the whole religious debate and and the, the that the, that whole debate is I don't believe that when I die, that's it. I, I believe there's something right. more to me than just this body, and that's why I have to believe there's something more powerful than us, and, and that's where that comes from. You're saying you have to believe it. I, I would argue that you know it already. It, it, it is it is a priori information that is part of who you are, fundamentally part of who you are. You Deep down, you already know that that's true, and, and, and wanting to believe it, like in the face of all this and that, I, I think the hypocrisies of human religion seem to get in the way of people understanding God in any meaningful way. You know, like, like take religions out of it, take take holy texts out of it. If you were just, you know, uh, uh, if you were born on a desert island and were raised by ocelots, and you, <laughs> and you never heard, you never heard this or that, you know, ultimately... You would believe you come, in something. You could come to the conclusion that all of this was created somehow by some, you know, all-encompassing omnipotent force, and it doesn't. It doesn't matter what name you give it. it, it you know, there are uh, seven billion ways to approach God. Right. And and so all this arguing about who's got it right and who's got it wrong, and well, religion our, religion has really muddied the water. Absolutely. I mean, that's really what's made it difficult is we've got, you know, seven different groups of people saying that their God is the God. Well, you know, that makes it even harder for people who are skeptic, who are questionable, who maybe haven't had uh, an enlightening experience to go, you know what, this is a bunch of BS here. I, I just can't go with this. Sure. Well, see, God is not BS, but these people's, you know, these the people you're speaking of, they're approach to it is BS. And I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about Jews. I'm talking about Muslims. I'm talking about everybody. Right. Everybody seems to claim to have the one way. Although Buddhism seems to, is that the right way to say it? Is it Buddhism or is that like Bo a sex Buddhism, club? Yeah. Buddhism. No, Buddhism, <laughs> not Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's something that happens at hedonism is some Buddhism. <laughs> uh, but Buddhism seems to be, because I did some research on Buddhism recently. And and that just kind of seems to be, hey, you do what you want to do, but realize that karma is going to kick you in the ass if you do something wrong eventually. Yeah, exactly. And and, and they they believe in in slowing things down, slowing reality down to to where like like you can meditate. Like many Buddhist monks are are trying to attain this moment of pure consciousness. They call moksha, and moksha really means. Uh, like like the slowing down of reality to where I could liken it to like like a like um, a film strip is is a series of pictures. There's like you know a thousand pictures in a ten second reel. Right. But if you slow it down to to, to one frame, that 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 is what reality actually is. It's the construct of the matrix. They're they're trying to slow reality down to 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 just the mo the, the now moment. That now is all that actually exists. There's nothing else but now. And all of the billions of years the universe has existed have only existed in one singular moment. And that, you know, we, are, we each of us, you and I are, but we both were born now, we live now, and we will die right now. And that, that you know, the, 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 it's like 
filling yourself basically with emptiness, clearing yourself of all of, of the the trappings of life, all of the noise, all of the voices, all of the you know all all, all, all of basically all of the karma that you you're you're meant to shed your karma. And, and and that is really the goal is to be completely free of that and that you attain higher consciousness by shedding the mortal coil. Now, is this but, what you put in your music, Jordan? Is this it, it, have you like when you started writing music? Was this your belief, or did this belief come as you were in the music? And I, I don't, I, I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Sure. But sure. did this, you know, your original music when I first started listening to you four or five years ago uh, to now? Uh, because we're going to play your new song. We only got a, about a, another 15 or so minutes before I got to wrap it up. Um, but what's the influence in your music and where your music has changed? Sure, sure. Well, I, I was a pretty spiritual little kid. Uh, I, I had a realization when I was in the third grade that this was not my first rodeo. And, uh, and I had a complete freak out when I realized that I was I had been born again. Uh, and I, you know, I've, I've been here thousands of times, and I and I was pissed. Um, that, you know, I, I've had a lot of a lot of burning bush experiences, like Moses in the burning bush. I've had a lot of them since I was five years old, uh, that have kind of led me to be a person who seeks a higher spiritual understanding. Um, and 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 I, and I have atta- I have attained that many times over. And there's times where I lose sight of it, and times where I, where I'm very very connected to it, and. But but I, I let it I let it guide my life. My life has continually stayed interesting, you know, leaving it in the hands of the currents of of God's will rather than trying to fight against it. I I, I kind of I go with I go with the flow, and uh, I I feel that energy flowing through me and through everything. Uh, so so I was very heavily influenced. Um, but I mean I, I was raised Roman Catholic, and that always felt very oppressive to me. But it did give me a foundation. You know, in, in in religion. So I understood religion, and I, and then as 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 I went through high school, I got really really into the music of the Doors and Jim Morrison, and 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 his spiritual views uh, really were interesting to me, and and I just started you know collecting as many uh, philosophies as I could. I got really into uh, you know there's a lot of philosophers that I was reading, especially in college, and uh, and and all of that has influenced me for sure. Uh, I would say none more than Christianity because I personally I have had one-on-one experiences with this being that we that we call Yeshua, and so and, and, and he has been a huge influence on my music, and and I, I I have not felt that I've been called by him to be like a praise artist or a Christian artist. Right. I'm an I'm an artist who is a Christian, and that does come out in my music. I and I think in a, in, in a in a subtle way, in a non-preachy way, because I have no interest in preaching to people. So, so I, I, what you're saying basically is you, you didn't get the calling to be a a Christian rock artist. You, you, you're calling to you that, that you interpret it from him or from what you believe in is to promote individual freedom, promote just freedom in general. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll, let me preface this: when I was 17, I had a I had a vision when I was I was in high school sitting at a computer. And I had uh, I had this this very you know earth shattering vision of of my future, and a lot of things that have happened that ha- that I saw in that vision have have come to pass. And one of the things was that I was standing on stage in front of thousands of people, you know, hel- helping them to become free in some way that I didn't understand at the time. I was seventeen, and 
I, you know, I, I was scared to death by what I, I saw that, that I had to do and, and that I, you know, because it was, re it would just require so much of me. And I kind of, re I rejected it for a while. And ultimately it came back and got me again and said, no, this is, this is the path for you. But I felt like I was a little lost for a while. I guess 2003, he came back again and spoke to me again and put me back on track, but I still felt a little lost. And then, uh, in 2006, I woke up from a, from a dream and uh, I had uh, I, I wrote my song Pendulum, which changed my entire life. And that was a very political song, and it was a very spiritual song, and it was all about freedom. And 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 you know, I, I feel very very strongly. I know I don't know why I, I feel strongly. I know for a fact that he has kept me on this path, and that 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 teaching people to deprogram from from the evil systems of control that have control that have a grip, death grip on their lives and on their minds and their hearts and their souls is the mission for now and doing that with music and, and letting people make a choice because he's told me over and over he does not want slaves you know a lot of religions are full of slaves right he doesn't want slaves he wants people to, to willingly and knowingly with like choose him because they want to not because they're being forced to through coercion or fear mm -hmm. and and and, and arm yourselves to the, to bring it around so you can play the song. That's a, you, you totally yeah. right notes, didn't you? <laughs> you yeah, yeah. sucker. <laughs> uh, arm, arm yourselves is is very much for, for that purpose. It's a deprogramming song. It's a wake up America, wake up everyone song. Uh, and, and it is very spiritual. It's very dark. It's 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 very heavy, and doesn't pull any punches. Uh, there, there's two songs really, uh, Sean. There's Arm Yourselves and Act Three. Act three is and instrumental, correct? It, it, it is, and it's okay. but it's the battle scene, and it's it's and it's wild. I mean, it's like a face melting freaking. I may uh, I might use that as a background promo song, you know, like a little thirty seconds of that for my promo, maybe. You should, you should. It's it's cool. I mean, it's it's a it's a lot of fun to play live. It's been the number one song that everybody has wanted to hear for uh, at all my shows for the last three years, and and through Oath Keepers and Tactical Supply and. Come and take it, armor and Roberts and Roberts, precious metals. Uh, you know, all, all, all these groups came together and they helped me with financially and through their networks to 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 get the the songs recorded. And we're going to be doing a music video here very shortly, as soon as we finish rounding out the budget. Uh, and I'm very excited about it. it and it, it's dropping on Thursday, on Thanksgiving. Uh, it'll go live. So people go to my website, JordanPageMusic.com. There'll be links to all the different places that you can buy it. And uh, and I just hope you guys like it. It kick ass.
arm yourself. Jordan Page, man. Make sure you guys Google Jordan Page. Uh, go to jordanpagemusic.com. Uh, and, and how do they find you on uh, on uh, uh, iTunes, my friend? They could just search for my name under iTunes. I've got several albums on there and a couple different singles. I'm easy to find. There will be links on my website uh, to, to all that stuff, too. Um, on Facebook, everything with me is Jordan Page Music, one word. So uh, YouTube, Jordan Page Music, Facebook, Jordan Page Music, Twitter, Jordan Page Music. Easiest way to find it. Uh, all right, my friend, any last uh, a few things you want to get out there? Uh, anything we didn't touch on that you feel is important that you want to get out? Well, you know, I've, I've got some things coming up. I'm gonna be uh, in. I'm gonna be doing a tour in New England uh, the, the second week of December. We're really from like the eighth to the thirteenth, and I'm gonna be playing. I'll be doing one show in New York. We're, we're just finalizing the details this week on the eleventh. But the, the the real big show is gonna be uh, Liberty Love Fest Five, which is gonna be on the twelfth in Rhode Island, and I think Cumberland, Rhode Island. Liberty and, Love uh, Fest Five. Yeah, I've, I've headlined at every Liberty Love Fest there's been, and uh, and this year, this year is no exception. It's a lot of fun. We have a we have a we have a great crew of people up there. <laughs> Sounds like the monkeys are getting out of the cage up there, man. Oh, it does, man. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it's a wild time. There were Liberty Love Fest two or three. We got raided by the cops, and uh, and and I and I kept playing while they were while they were you know confiscating this and that and, and being general assholes uh <laughs> <laughs> i i kept playing and, and and i was playing uh the pink floyd um you know another brick in the another brick in the paul uh <laughs> that, that i do right. and um and i and I, I kept saying hey you know Officer, leave these guys alone. You know, it was it was a lot of fun. And, Last and, question I got for you, and we we don't have very long to answer this question. And I'm sorry to throw it at you at the last minute, but it ju it just popped in my head. Um, sure. You know, I know how strong of a Ron Paul supporter you were. Um, where are you standing with Rand? Uh, and you know, answer this how you feel, but you know, wh where? Because I don't feel the way I do about his father with him. So, so where do you stand? I don't think anyone does, you know, I mean, he's a very different person. He's got a whole different strategy and a whole other set of priorities. Uh, I will say that, you know, I, I'm not super involved in, in, in politics right now. Um, just be, just because I, I've just, I feel like I've kind of evolved past it. Right. But that being said, uh, he's definitely, you know, the best one on the stage. Uh, un undoubtedly. I'm, I'm happy to see that he's got some good numbers going on right now. And, People are finally starting to to wise up to what cartoon characters the rest of these jokers on stage are, <laughs> and that he's the only one talking about anything uh, rational. I think even even Chris Matthews, who is like to me just like a complete and utter mouth, mouthpiece for the establishment scumbag, uh, even he predicted that Ron, that Rand Paul was going to be the the Republican nominee. Mm -hmm. uh, so so I, I I thought that was kind of interesting that he would go public with that. But I I, I hope that he does well. You know I'm. I, I'm like I said, I'm not super involved, but I, I, I wish him the best and, and I hope that he continues to keep uh, you know freedom and, and, and liberty of the individual the, the primary uh, concern you know that's all we can hope for man and, and unfortunately, yeah. you know I believe elections are rigged and I, I, I'm more than I positive too. that we'll have a bush again. Uh, that that I still stand by that. I've been predicting that, uh, going off of other people's predictions for over two years now. And uh, don't be surprised if that's not who we see. Oh, I, nothing surprises me. I mean, I agree. I think it's a complete good old boys club. 
I think that elections are rigged. If you don't get a receipt for your vote, you did not vote. The only the only way your vote really matters is in the jury box, you know, and and with your wallet. And and that's I mean, I, and I stand by that. I mean, there's there really isn't. Um, I mean, if you're going to vote, I mean, you, Rand is your Rand is the closest thing you're going to get to what you want if you're looking for more more freedom and less government. Uh, you're certainly not going to get it with Donald Trump. You're not going to get it with mm-hmm. with any of these other other knuckleheads. And if you get if we get Hillary or Bernie, we're we're all just completely screwed. So um, I couldn't agree with that more, my friend. And on that one, I gotta go because we got Scott right, Ledger buddy. with Dangerous Conversation coming up. Uh, Jordan, I really appreciate your time. JordanPageMusic.com or just Google search Jordan Page. You'll find them. Uh, the, the guy, you got to go help the guy. I mean, he's got six kids running around. Can't you hear him in the background? I mean, really? Yeah, come buy, on. buy that song, people. I need some downloads. Hook it up. There you go. Jordan, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be in touch again soon. All right, my brother? All right, buddy. Thanks for having me on. All right. Peace out, my friend. There goes Jordan Page. Uh, guys who have been listening to the First 52, RazRadioLive.com, RadioFreeBlood.com. Stick around. You got uh, Scott Ledger coming up with Dangerous Conversation. I mean, really, you really can't ask for anything more than me and then Scott. I mean, your night is is fulfilled now. I appreciate you guys listening to me here on RazRadioLive.com, the first 52. Stay tuned for Dangerous Conversations. Be cool. Be human. Love everyone. Peace out, guys. Be safe. Let's in the bittersweet Lost a sense of weapon In a war against ourselves The setting sun is loading guns Don't be afraid of mistakes Emotions misplaced To love or to hate I don't know what to do We're all lost and confused Just trying to get through in this world Always trying to prove that we're worth what it takes But it takes a long time in the dirt to see grace When I'm trying to be real, they tend to be fake When I'm risking it all with no time to waste Fuck this bad race, I'm leaving this place It's time to blast off Destination space With the sunset hung behind us And the universe to blind us From the moon we'll watch the whole world explode Moving free unguided Through the beautiful, the silent With the light show from a passing UFO Lost in the glow of the unknown Please don't go And I don't know how I got here Or how I'm getting home But right from day one I've been in this alone With odds stacked against I've been drowning in stress They said can you take more I said give me what's left An old man once told me Allie don't have a love back Keep your eyes on that prize And give them hell to your death This is a test Just a frequency check For intelligent life Now it's time to connect It's an essence
With the sunset hung behind us In the universe to blind us From the moon we'll watch the whole world explode Moving free unguided Through the beautiful asylum With the light show from a passing UFO Lost in the glow Of the Guys, so much thanks. The first 52 is the bump diggity.